Well, I want to um, start today by letting you know I'm going to uh, go into a new series in the next few weeks out of John, the Apostle John's letter, which is 1 John. You know, you have the Gospel of John, and then he also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. These were letters that he wrote to churches, and obviously, as many of you probably know, the book of Revelation, without an S on the end, it's just Revelation, um, that was also a letter that John wrote that he was inspired to write. He received a vision. So he's an amazing, amazing guy, John was. And I'm so thankful that God created John and did the things that he did because we know who Jesus is because of John, if you think about it, in a lot of ways. But I want to start by saying this. In our culture, we consistently hear every day in the media, um, whether that's a news media, whether that's social media, that people have these differing views on a lot of different subjects. And some of y'all get into that on social media. Or you just read about people getting into these different views uh, on subjects on social media. And, and I, you know, I've kind of just don't even go on Facebook anymore because after the, um, after the election, I just had enough of seeing people go through these things. Um, but people debate about their views on various subjects, and we hear people accusing one another of contradictory claims uh, in their arguments. And we also hear allegations of contradiction between their claims and what they say they believe and what they actually do in their own actions. And I would guess for most of us, that last part bothers all of us, doesn't it? When we see somebody that says, hey, I believe this, I'm committed to this principle, I'm committed or, or believe in this certain principle or way of life, but I fail to practice this in my own life, we call that hypocrisy, don't we? Oh, they're a hypocrite. And we can see that very clearly in someone else, can't we? But a lot of times we fail to see it in our own lives, that we claim to believe certain things and, and, and claim to certain values and ways of life, but yet we don't always follow those in our own everyday life. And that, and that bugs people for the most part. Regardless of how passionate you are about a subject or an issue, people ultimately want to see in your life and in my life authentic everyday action of the stated passions and beliefs and principles that we say we live by. They want to see that in our actions. Or do they? And I say that because this, if we believe in the same things and we agree those are good things, but all of a sudden you start doing those things and I'm not doing those things, then you kind of put the pressure on me like, hey, ease up a little bit. Don't make me look bad. Don't bust the curve for the rest of us. You know, or if I'm doing them and you're not doing them, then sometimes there's some awkwardness between us like, hey, you know, don't do that. You ever felt that sometimes? It's good to be good, but not too good. Don't mess it up for the rest of us. Sometimes I see some of this uh, in, in our culture. And so I think also our culture seems to be becoming more and more of a culture that's led by what we feel at the moment. Not necessarily what truth is, but it seems like feelings seem to be of primary importance. Personal feelings seem to be more important than what is actually the truth in many times. And what we do or practice in our personal lives or as a community seems to almost be secondary to what we feel. As long as I, have a, as long as I feel a certain way about a subject or an issue and I say I feel that way about it, that's what matters. Not necessarily the truth or not even necessarily the inconsistency of my actions, but I feel this way. Y'all ever feel that way sometimes about the way our culture's going? And this is something that's not necessarily new to our culture. We see it throughout the Bible, and that's why the Bible is so valuable. We see there was an inconsistency in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, when God said, I've picked a certain group of people, not because you were special because of your actions, just because I picked you. And I want you to be my people, and I want you to reflect for the rest of the world who I am and what it means to be a child of God. 
And Israel goes, wow, that's, that's amazing. We'll, we'll do that. But then all of a sudden, they felt entitled to being God's children, God's chosen people. And they didn't really matter what they did. Their actions didn't really matter anymore because they were God's chosen people. They were entitled to that title. And God would always say to them, it didn't matter. And God goes, no, that's not the deal. There is a connect between your reflection of who I am and who you are. If you're not reflecting me, then you're not really my child. But we're the children of Israel, but you're not really being. So that's where we saw this this cycle that continued throughout the Old Testament till finally when the New Covenant came. You couldn't handle the Old Covenant. You needed a New Covenant. You needed a Savior. You couldn't do it on your own. And so we see that. But the Apostle John experienced Jesus in a way that none of us ever will. He actually saw Jesus in the flesh here on earth. He saw Jesus up close and personal. For three years at least, we know, he was very, very close to him. He heard him declare that he was one with the Father, that he was the Messiah, that he was the chosen one, that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. John heard that come out of Jesus' mouth in real time. That's amazing when you think about it. He saw Jesus do the, the miracles. He was an eyewitness of those miracles. He was, the, he was there when Jesus had these debates with the religious leaders about the, the different things going on in the culture. Jesus saw, John saw Jesus physically go to the cross and be beaten. He saw him physically get nailed to that cross and physically get pulled off that cross dead, thinking that was the end. And then physically, he saw Jesus alive again and touched his wounds in his hands and his side and his feet and saw Jesus eat in fellowship with him. Could there be anyone that knows Jesus better and his teachings that John, who was there for the first time Jesus told him in real time, hearing them directly and seeing them with his own eyes? So we're incredibly blessed that the Holy Spirit inspired John to take that time and take all those experiences, those eyewitness experiences that he had with Jesus and put them down so that we could understand and know who Jesus was. And I want you to think for a minute, what would the Bible be like if we didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Can you imagine? We'd hear about this church thing, and we'd eventually hear about Jesus. But John's gospel was, was different than even Matthew, Mark's, and Luke's. John talks a lot uh, to us about love, doesn't he? What would, what would the world be without John 3.16? Think about that. For God so loved the world. Think about that. John talks a lot about love, that there's a, there's a, a connection between God's love for you and for me and for our love for one another. That's who God is. He is love. And John talked a lot about the Spirit, the Spirit of God indwelling in us, and He changes our whole being into who He always wanted us to be. And so John tells us all about that. But we read how he did life, how he taught, how he responded to people, how he responded to the political and social issues of Jesus' time. John tells us that. We know why he died. We know how he died and why and how he rose again. We know his explanation of God's kingdom work and how God had said, hey, Jesus said, hey, I'm leaving now, but I'm going to give it to you. You are now commissioned to continue that kingdom work as my disciples. But John tells us that even after those disciples, there would be other disciples and more disciples. And today, y'all, were sitting here today as disciples, followers of Jesus, because of what John told us about Jesus. Now, think about that. John wrote that stuff down. We know, y'all, what we know about Jesus because John and Matthew and Mark and Luke all wrote that down. That's what we know. There's, 
There's historical documents other than the Bible that tell about a man named Jesus from Nazareth and some of the things he did, but none of those accounts are as clear and as accurate as what we have in the Gospels, and I'm very thankful for that. Now, John would write this account some time after Jesus' death. We think it was around maybe 70-something A.D., Okay, that's probably about when he wrote the Gospel of John. But then later, maybe in 80 or 90 A.D., he wrote these letters to the churches that John would help start after Jesus. But the basis, I want to, and I say this a lot, and you'll probably go, you say that every Sunday, Craig, but I think it's so important. In that first century, y'all, there was no Bible. There was no New Testament to read when you went to service. We're going to be reading from John's Gospel. There wasn't. They might have had some pieces of John's gospel in somewhere in the 90s, maybe, maybe even to the hundreds it was starting to be copied because they had to recopy it, hand recopy it over and over. Do you all realize how difficult that was and what an amazing accomplishment that was? But so they learned about Jesus in that first century closest to after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension from the disciples and the other eyewitnesses. They sat down and go, tell us about the time Jesus did this. And they would sit there and go, well, you know, we were going over here this day and, and this lady came up and she just touched his cloak. Really? And then what happened? And so from, from memory, he would just tell these stories. And one day the religious leaders came up to Jesus. Well, what did they say? They asked him this question. Seriously, what did Jesus say? And he would tell them exactly what Jesus said. That's how it was, orally passed on from person to person in that first century. And I don't think we realize how blessed we are to have it in the form that we have it. So there was no New Testament, yet it would come along. It would be slow, but it would come along. And there was the Torah, there was the Old Testament, which pointed to a coming Messiah, which Jesus said, I am, and proved that. But yet there were still people who didn't believe. So those early followers of Jesus relied on eyewitnesses and their oral teachings and their recollections of Jesus And they're connecting the dots between the old covenant and this new covenant that would be ushered in through Jesus Christ. And later, as John started churches, he shared the foundational life and work of Jesus that would be in his gospel. And later, like I said, he would write these letters, just like Paul did, saying, Hey, what is going on at that church? You know the foundations of who Jesus is and who he's called you to be, but there's all this other stuff from culture that's getting into the mix. And you guys are getting very confused. Some of you are believing that Jesus really wasn't in the flesh. I'm telling you, I was there. I was an eyewitness, and we need to get you back on the foundational truths. So we're going to look at this in the next few weeks. And though Christianity in that first century was going like crazy, some of these things were slipping into the community. And, and it was Paul's job, it was John's job to say, hey, let's keep it pure. I mean, it's true today. We need to be reminded of who Jesus really is because there's people. You can go on the internet, you can read books, and people will deny who Jesus really was and who he really calls us to be. And there's a reason behind that. There's some, uh, a lot of things that are going on in our culture that try to keep us away from that. So we're going to read this and hopefully find out something that will help us in our culture and help us in our Christian community here today. So we're going to read 1 John, which is back towards the back of the New Testament. And it starts very similar to the Gospel of John. You remember the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Listen to how he writes some 20 years maybe later in 1 John. That which was from the beginning. And notice he's saying here, y'all, we. 
I've seen this. I've been with Jesus. I've touched him. I've ate with him. I've heard his teaching. I've been with him. But he's saying we because he says, this is not just me that believes it now. I'm not a church by myself, just me. There's a whole bunch of people all over the world that believe in this Jesus that is resurrected and is changing lives. So that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete, or maybe in some of your versions it'll say, to make your joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar, and His word is not in us. There's a lot of stuff there in there. A lot of just meaty stuff. And that's John saying, man, I was with Jesus. This is the foundation, y'all. I've seen it, and he's not saying I. Who is he saying? We. I'm not alone in this. There's a group of us who are followers of Christ, and we are continuing his kingdom work. And he's saying things like the Word, and he tells you who the Word is, and then he talks about God is light. And there's a distinctness about saying you walk one way and believe in one way, in living completely a different way. It's, it's a contrast like light and darkness, and that's what he's going to. So let's unpack this a little bit. John was clearly expressing that you know he and other eyewitnesses have seen, heard, and touched through their experience Jesus. And in turn, they're saying, we're not keeping this to ourselves. It has transformed our lives. We were in darkness. We were part of that old covenant, thinking legalistically we could earn our way. And we realized there wasn't, that we needed a Savior. When we grasped that, it changed our lives, and they were telling other people. So in turn, they've shared their experience about who Jesus was and what he taught. And John explains that the reason they share all this about Jesus is so that you may have fellowship with us. This is not exclusive. This is inclusive. We want as many people as we can to come to experience Christ like we have and experience that life change. And they call the Greek word for fellowship is called koinonia. Isn't that a cool word? Koinonia. That's what it was in the Greek. And it means to have something in common with someone. Now yesterday we had a bunch of guys and gals who came who had, a, had something in common. You know what it was? Riding motorcycles. And I'm telling you, that is a tight-knit group, those motorcycle people. They are absolutely tight. They love the commonality they share is motorcycles. Okay? They like the way they're loud. They like to get up there and they look cool. You know, I'm just like, man, these people are so cool. You know, I'm in my shorts and t-shirt going, wow, look at all those cool guys, you know. <laughs> came into my truck, you know, you know. But those guys, I mean, it was just amazing. And so, but those guys and those gals came here for a purpose. They loved the Lord, but they also knew of a man who was killed and his family is grieving. And they said, we want to do, we don't know him, but we want, that's a tragedy. 
And we want to do something about it. So we're going to take our commonality that we have in motorcycles and we want to do something with that to get people's attention to say, hey, we want to do something for this family. And they did. That's what that ride was about. It's about helping that family out. But they were using that commonality to do it. But here's the deal. Koinonia in that first century, and why we're here today is we have a commonality in Christ, right? I hope that's why you're here today. But here's the deal. Before we knew Christ, guess what our commonality was? We were lost in our sin. We all share that commonality, that we were lost in our sin without Christ. And we share that. That's what we have. And until we are realize that and we say the commonality now is, is that I'm no longer lost. I'm no longer separated from Christ because I have found Jesus. And in His blood and it's His sacrifice and His resurrection, I am alive now. And I, did you hear what John said at the end of that? I am purified. My sins are forgiven and I am no longer unrighteous. Is that good news? That's the best news, isn't it? The best news ever. Isn't that what one of the songs says? The best news ever. Yeah, we can clap about that. It's good stuff. So Paul says, hey, I mean, uh, John says, hey, we want y'all to have this fellowship with us, this koinonia, this something in common. We interact, we share our ups and downs. It's not just like coming together, but we share our ups and downs. We help one another in various stages of life. We praise together, we encourage, we challenge one another, we hold one another accountable. And John says, we proclaim, we share this with you so that you can have this fellowship, this authentic relationship with us, with you and others. And it's not just with us, he says, it's with the Father, with his son Jesus Christ. And John says that we wrote all of this down and sent it out and we continue to tell it so that your joy, our joy, can be complete. We want to have joy in that. And I want to have complete joy knowing that you know the truth and that you can be no longer separated from God but from forgiven. So joy is not in accomplishments alone. Joy is not in power. It's not in fame. It's not in material wealth or money, things like that. It is an authentic relationship with others and with God and the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. That's important. That's the koinonia that John's talking about. And their joy is not complete unless they are consistently sharing this good news. We can't hold it in. You remember early in Acts, it talks about they were arrested. And they said, don't be doing that anymore. And they said, look... Whatever you say, but we cannot, we have to obey God rather than you because we know what we have seen and we have to express that. That's what the early Christians said and that's what they did. Their joy was not complete unless they were consistently sharing. So what is the message that John is saying that is supposed to bring us all together in this authentic, this relationship in which we catch phrase these days is do life together. What is it to make our joy? Well, John tells us clearly. He says, God is light, illuminating, clearly seen out in the open, brilliant, pure. And God, in God, there's this light. He is light, and there is no darkness in Him at all. So if we're going to experience koinonia, then we need to get, we have to have authentic relationship. And if you want to have a relationship with me, and I want to have a relationship with you, we've got to really know each other. It can't be this fakey stuff where we go to church, hey, good to see you, yeah, good, you know. i got all this darkness going on in my life right now. And I come to church and I think about Jesus, but it ain't making a bit of difference. My life's a wreck, but I'm going to say, hey, good to see you. Yeah, praise God. No, it's authentic. Something needs to change. He says, in God there is no darkness at all. John says, if we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. Now, we're going to get into this in the next few weeks. There were some things going on in this specific church that I'm going to kind of walk us through a little bit in the next few weeks. But it was specifically, people were trying to distort what it was to be a follower of Christ. And, and John is saying, no, I know who Jesus was. I don't know what y'all are doing, but I need to get you back on track. 
But he's saying, we can't claim to have fellowship with God and then walk in the darkness. This is called hypocrisy again. We can't lie, and, uh, and we, can't, we, we lie if we do that, and we're, we're not in the truth. There is no darkness in God, so that's a contradiction. That's a lie. We can't say something and, and then not live by it. That's what John's saying. There has to be evidence in your life. John is saying there is a direct connection in our everyday. We say what we believe and what we claim and what we actually do in our everyday life. And we want to see that in people, don't we? 